Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's go back, and I say back because we were here Sunday morning, back in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're talking about holding fast to your confession. And that's something that, you know, when when you read the words, hold fast, it means, uh, you know, it it should clue us that something's going to try to take it away. Or you wouldn't be told to hold fast. Hang on. You ever heard hang on? Hang on means, man, you might get thrown off. And so um, let's go here. And I want to, I just kind of want to, you know, read the scripture. Now we're going on some new stuff. But but in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 57, the Bible says, But thanks be to God, hallelujah, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, or because of that, my brethren, be, this is what we're to be, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor or anything you do in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. So, you know, because God's give us the victory, we can hold fast to our confession. Because we know how it's going to turn out. Now, sometimes, it, you know, it, it doesn't look good, but we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So there's a huge difference there, you know. And see, the world can't do that, but we can. They can just walk by sight. But we can walk by faith. And, uh, you know, it, and it's, it's faith in God. It's faith in God's Word. And it's faith in what He has promised. Amen. And so... I, what, I, what I want to talk about tonight a, a little bit is I'll, I'll talk about this, about how, you, you know, you have to fight the fight of faith and, and how you have to have genuine faith. And so I want, to, I want us to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, and uh, we, we'll, we'll begin with some new stuff here. But I want to read that scripture because I want you to see God always causes us to triumph. Uh, you know, the other scriptures we read were in 2 Corinthians where it says He always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul said, he's delivered me from all and from every. So that didn't leave anything out. So, uh, but, um, you know, we need to know that, you know, sometimes things, we get challenged sometimes. And we have to hold fast. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, look with me at verse number 17. It says, "But, but we, brethren, being taken from you in a short time in presence... Not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. So Paul saying to the Thessalonians, I wanted to come and see you. Verse 18, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Well, I figure if Satan can hinder the apostle Paul, he could probably hinder a few of us. But what I wanted you, what I wanted you to notice is it doesn't, doesn't say Satan stopped us. He hindered, but he didn't stop. And so we have to understand that, you know, he's the God of this world. And he will try to gum things up in this world. He'll try to derail things and try to keep you from, uh, you know, obtaining that which God, Christ has paid for you to have. Amen. Which means, which means you've got to hold fast to your confession. This is what the Word says about me. That's what I say about me. Amen. I say I'm healed tonight. Does that mean I'm, does that mean I, I, you know, I don't have any uh, symptoms or any, no, that's not what that means. It just means the reality is I'm healed 
And um, that's what's going to manifest in my life. Hallelujah. Is healing. Praise God. And so I'm not novice at this. I've done this many times. I've stood in the pulpit many times, wasn't feeling well. And by the time I got done preaching, I was well. Hallelujah. Thank God for the anointing. You know, so I, 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 know, I know this. I know this. That Satan, he'll try to hinder you, but he can't stop you. You know, there's a scripture, which we won't look at, but in Daniel, it talks about when Daniel was praying, that finally the angel Gabriel got to him after 21 days, and he said, I was sent the first day he prayed. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and Michael came to help me. Because, I, and when you read that, and you read it, you know, in another version size of King James, it kind of clears that up a little bit, because he says, uh, he, he says, for I was, I, I, I was, I stayed there with the kingdom, the king of Persia. Now he's not talking about an earthly king; he's talking about a, a principality, a demonic spirit. And he, what he was saying, he was saying, look, I couldn't get, I couldn't leave that spot. I was stuck there. But then Michael shows up, who's a warrior angel, and he kick some boots of hiney. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he got some things moving. But it's interesting, though, when you read in chapter 9, Daniel's praying, and the Bible says that while he was praying, the angel came immediately. Gabriel came immediately. So one time he prays, Gabriel immediately shows up. The next time he prays, it took 21 days. Even though the angel told Daniel, he said, I, I was sent the first day you prayed. In other words, God released me when you prayed, but I, ha I ran into some difficulty. That's what Paul is saying here in this New Testament verse. He's saying, Satan hindered us. We wanted to come to you, but he fought against us. But I love it that he doesn't say he stopped us. He uses the word hindered, which means all he could do is delay it for a little bit. Hallelujah. Because... We have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because we're going to win if we stay with it. That's why we have to hold fast to our confession. Peter said, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But yet so many believers do when they have an issue. They think, well, pastor, what am I doing wrong? Well, you may be doing something right. Amen. And someone said to a minister one time, said, the devil never bothers me. He said, well, you must be going the same direction he's going then. <laughs> because if you're going the opposite way, you're going to meet up sometime. All that live godly. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I know this isn't a jump up and down shout message, but I think it's important that we understand our status when these things happen, that we're not defeated. We're not defeated. You may be standing for something for a long time, and, and the devil will try to tell you you're defeated, you're, you're beaten. God will never tell you that. Never. That's always the voice of the devil. You know, And it's like I said Sunday morning, if, you're not, if there's something you need to adjust, the Holy Spirit will tell you. He's on your side. He's in the ring with you. If not, just keep doing what you're doing. Remember that Paul said this to the Ephesians. He says, having done all to stand, stand there for. Just stand there. Hallelujah. And so Peter went on to say this about the devil. He said, your adversary, the devil, your adversary, your opponent, the opposition. 
I mean, no, but, you know, what does that mean? What's an opponent? It's somebody's going to stand in your way. When you have, play sports, you have, you have an uh, opponent, right? What are they there to do? They're there to keep you from winning. Amen. They're there to keep you from scoring points. It's a basketball game or a football game. They're there to keep you from scoring. They're there to stand in your way. The devil is there to stand in your way. And the Bible says he's seeking whom he may devour. Didn't say he's devouring everybody. He's trying to find somebody he can devour. I had an old Bible one time and I wrote in there on, on the margin, he may not devour Mark Pearl. Because I'm not going to give him permission. See, if I come to your house and I want, you know, let's say, uh, you know, Pepsi. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not just going to get in your refrigerator. I'm going to ask you. Well, unless I'm at Pastor Jerry's house, I just get in his because he, he gets in mine. So I figured if he can do it, I can do it. So I just take whatever he has. But anyway, you, you understand, generally court, being cordial is to ask for it, which means I'm asking for permission. And uh, which means you could say no. So when the devil is seeking whom he may devour, just tell him no. You're not going to devour me. You're not going to take me out. If I die, it won't be because of you. Amen. It'll be because I chose to go, not because of you. Amen. And so, you know, sometimes people want to go to heaven. You know, I, there was a woman, a, a word of faith woman. And she was 60-something, you know, young. And um, she got cancer. And, of course, you know, her, her brother, uh, her brother-in-law is, and, her, and his wife, her brother-in-law and her sister passed through church, Word of Faith Church, strong Word of Faith Church, strong believers in healing and so forth. And she just told them, she said, I don't want to be healed. I want to go to heaven. Well, how me know? Then that's what's going to happen, right? But she chose that, right? She, she, she said, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And so I'm sure she's not unhappy with her choice right now. But, uh, you know, she could have said, I, I refuse to be devoured by this. Right? I mean, at least go out fighting. Right? I remember one time when Brother Eddie was here, he said something that was so good. He said, he said the Bible says I'm healed, so I'm healed. He said, if I'm laying on my back, my, 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 my feet pointed up, in the air. He said, the last thing you want to hear me say is, I'm healed. Now, I may be on my way to heaven. They said, once I get there, I will be healed. Right? You know, we, we, we put too much value, I think, sometimes on this life. Like, it's everything, you know. And if, if somebody passes on, then that's the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world for them. If they're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's just the beginning of their days. Amen. And so, you know, yeah, you're going to, you may miss them and so forth, and it may take an adjustment period, but you got you to realize that, you know, they, they're not, they're not, they don't want to come back. Amen. And from their vantage point, they don't really care what you're doing now. They're, they're caught up in what they're, they're doing with the Lord. Amen. So we, we kind of have to look at this this way, you know. You know, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen to you? Well, uh, die and go to heaven. Wouldn't that be awful? Now, I just happen to believe God wants us to finish our course, and I believe He wants us to have victory and not go out at the devil's bidding, but go out when we're done, right? Whatever age that might be. You know, if I'm done, if the Lord would say, hey, you know, you're done at 60-something, you can come home, I, I'm ready to go. But I don't think He's going to say that, and I don't think I'm done. 
And I don't think you're done either. Amen. So, it, you know, a lot of people, you know, age. Well, it's like Brother Hagin used to say, if you hear I'm gone, you know I got satisfied. He used to say that. When you hear I'm gone, you know I got satisfied. Well, he must have got satisfied at 87 because he went on to be with the Lord. Amen. Now, it, it, so we have an adversary. We have an opponent. James also said this. He said that our faith would get tested. Trying of your faith. Now, it hit me one day. I've told you this many times, but I'll preach on it again. It hit me one day when I was reading that, the trying of your faith. It, I realized I must have faith. If the devil's trying it, then he obviously believes if he leaves me alone, I'm going to get what I'm believing for. He obviously realized I got the faith. So if he's trying me, then he's threatened by my faith. Because faith breaks his dominion over your life, and he knows that. And so that, I don't know why that hit me. It's, it's, it's such a revelation one day, but it did. It the way. I thought, wait a minute, trying on my faith. I must have faith. He couldn't be trying if I didn't have it. And he wouldn't be testing me if he didn't think I, I was going to get victory. But, you know, James went on to say, uh, he went on to say in that in James chapter 1, he said uh, to have, for us to have patience or perseverance, just stick with it. Why? Because we're going to come out with victory. He said, you would come out complete lacking nothing, is what he said. Hallelujah. That's a good way to live. Amen. Paul said this. He said, fight the good fight of faith. He said, I have fought, I have finished, I have kept. That's what he said when he was getting ready to go. He said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. I like to shorten that down. He said, I fought, I finished, I kept. I fought, I finished, I kept. He didn't get defeated, did he? He stayed with it all the way through. Amen. Amen. Now look at, we're in Thessalonians chapter 1. Go to to 2 Thessalonians. I'm not going to preach long tonight, but what I'm saying, it it really has some content to it. And you, you need to know that you need to fight. You know, I, I, I was doing this thing one time years ago, and I was looking at different, and I was, I, I was li- listening or reading different things about longevity, living long. And so I was listening to these centennials talk about why they lived long. And some of them didn't really, I don't think, have a clue uh, you, some of the things they said, I, I knew that that's not why you're living long. One guy, he drank a, a, Coors, a Coors Light every day at 4 o'clock. I thought, that's not prolonging your life. One guy said he smoked one cigar a day every day, and that's why he, you know. But as they got deeper and they told their stories, as a spiritual person, I began to see some things emerge. And two things that stood out to me in hearing these testimonies and reading about it was this. Most of them, at some point or another, made the comment that they didn't hold grudges. They didn't hold things against people. They let go of it. And most of them basically said, I'm a fighter. I don't go down easy. And I thought, that is is a powerful key right there. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And so I did a teaching one time. You know, I I don't know when it was, but I did a teaching on 
on, on how to love long time. And one of the keys was to be a fighter. Fight. Fight. Don't just accept it. See, to people, I've got this disease. Well, you may have this disease. You may have this problem, but don't just accept it. Don't, don't let it become your pet animal. Fight the thing. Be a fighter. I, I, <laughs> you know, one, our, one of my grandmas on my mom's side uh, lived to be 94. And, um, but, you know, one of the things about her is when I would go see her before I was saved, you know, and then, and, and, and of course, I noticed it after I was saved. Before I was saved, I noticed when you walked in her house, she usually had the Bible in her lap. And she would not have a television. Maybe that's a key. She called it a demon-eyed monster. But one day she found out Oral Roberts was on there. So she got a TV to watch Oral Roberts. And she was a fighter, you know, and, and she was spunky. She would, she would tell me as a kid, you know, if you'd cut yourself or something, she'd always take you to Ezekiel 16, you know, where it says, I saw you in your blood and said, live. She said, now this is the scripture you go to if you cut yourself, you know. You go right here, and this will stop the blood from flowing. Isn't it good to have faith, people like that? Yeah, amen. And when, I, when she passed on, I got some of her stuff. Phyllis and I went to the nursing home to get some of her stuff. And I got to her, I got her Bible, and at that page, Ezekiel 6, I saw drops of blood. She's used it herself, you know, when she got cut or blood or whatever to stop that blood flow. But she, she when you, on her, on her door, on her mantle, she, she, she had on there, the, the blood is uh, a covering for this door, this house, or something like that. Now, you know, when she got older, she had an illness, uh, uh, an affliction, and they, they put her in the hospital. And then they, uh, they, they uh, let her out. She lived in an apartment by herself. They let her out, but they said, you need to go to the nursing home and stay there for a couple of weeks because you need some more intensive care, and then you can go back to your apartment. Well, she got in a nursing home, and she liked it because she said, they do your hair. There's people to talk to. They feed you. I'm staying. But she wasn't sick, and she didn't have to be there. And, of course, she would come and go and go to church, go to the store. And then one night... Uh, back in the 1990s, a tornado hit the city of Petersburg. And it killed like six or more people, just devastated about half the city. And it hit the nursing home she was in. And uh, so, of course, Phyllis and I, when we found out about it, we got down there about midnight that night because we didn't find about about it till later. And so we came in on some roads, and, I mean, it was a mess. It was just a mess. Well, Grandma, Grandma said this. She said, she's 94. And here's what she said. She says, I feel so sorry for all these old people here in the nursing home. I'm trying to help them. I'm thinking, you're probably the oldest one in this nursing home, all right? Well, we got a call one day that she had passed on, and so Phyllis and I went to the nursing home uh, where she was, and uh, we were, you know, get her stuff, what she had. And the nursing home director said it was, this, well, he said it was the oddest thing. She had been witnessing to people about Jesus that day. And he said, we were talking to her and said she was talking. And all of a sudden, it's like her breath disappeared. It just went away and she fell over on the floor. And I thought about the scripture in Psalm says he, he took, took their breath away. Literally, that means in the Hebrew, he removed their spirit. So grandma didn't die of sickness. Her spirit got removed by God. God said, it's time for you to come be with me. I'm jerking your spirit out of your body and it's coming up here to be with me. That is a good way to go. Yeah. 
Now, she had her challenges. She had things that she had to believe God and fight through, but she fought through them. Praise God. And held fast to her confession. Amen. Paul said here, did we read 2 Thessalonians? Look at verse 3. He said, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or right or fitting, because that your faith grows exceedingly. How I many know our faith should be growing exceedingly? Brother Greg talked about, are you more, are, what's, your, what's your level of fire? Um, and the charity of every one of you, or the love of every one of you towards each other abounds, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Now, he said to this church, he said, your faith grows. It's growing. Why? It's growing because you're not, you're not backing down. He said, you have patience and faith in all your persecutions, all your tribulations. The King James uses the word endure. That word endure means hold up under. In other words, when trouble hits this church... They don't fold like a cheap chair. They stay strong. Paul told the church at Corinth this. He said, them, he said to them this. He said, uh, watch you stand fast in the faith and quit you. This is O King James. Quit you like men and be strong or act like a man. And that's not a racist or a... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Sexist thing. Uh, you, did you know a woman is a man? Woman, man, woman, woman, man with the womb. Mighty fine man. A lot better man than men, men. Come on, women, say amen. <laughs> I mean, whisk guys, we wouldn't even know where the sugar's at for our wife. So... You know, here, here's, here's what Paul's saying. He said, look, look, act like men. Be strong. Don't fold. Don't give up. Don't give in. Hold fast your confession. Hallelujah. Hold on to it. He went on to say, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're real close, so we can go to these scriptures. Let's go there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He went on to tell the Corinthian church this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. He says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Now, we know which God that is, right? Yes. This is the one in Genesis that said, let there be light. Right, right. Powerful. Yes. He said, that same God has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That same God that said, let there be light, that light shone out of darkness, that same God, when we were born again, shone in our hearts the glory of the Lord. In other words, he said the same thing to us spiritually. Let there be light. Let there be light. And there's light on the inside of us. And he said, we have, verse 7, this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, the word excellency of the power, that word excellency can be translated this way. You could say it this way. The superior power may be of God, not of us. In other words, Paul is saying we have superior power inside of us. Whoo, hallelujah. There's superior power in you. We used to sing a song, we got the power. Well, we do have the power. 
The powerhouse is inside of us. So Paul went on to say this. Look what he said. He said, uh, we're troubled on every side. So he, did, he, didn't, he didn't deny trouble, did he? No. He said, we're troubled on every side. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't even like trouble on one side, let alone every side. Yet, not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. What did he do? He, he held fast to his confession, didn't he? He said, there's no way I can be beat. i got superior power living inside of me. Hallelujah. Amen. I love what Jesus said to uh, Pilate. Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? Jesus said, you don't have any power over me at all if it wasn't given you from above. Did you know the devil has no power over us? Hallelujah. We have to realize that and hold fast to our confession. Greater is he that's inside of us. The greater one's living in us. And the Bible tells us this. I like this. First John, it tells us this, that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And it, before that, it says, whoever's born of God overcomes the world. Any born of God people in here? Yes. We've overcome the world. Amen. But how is it activated? He said, through our faith. By our faith. By us believing that. Uh, we used to sing a song, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Any old enough to remember that song? Brother Kenny remembers it, of course. Well, he raised his hand. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus, I've been loosed from Satan's pit. Jesus came and he won the battle and he gave us the victory. I cannot be defeated. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm free. Powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's go to one last scripture. Get anything tonight? Yes. I'm, I'm going to close right here. It may take me just a little bit too, but I'm going to. 2 Timothy chapter 1, because I want to talk about this. I want to talk about having the real deal, you know, the real deal. Paul said, act like men. Amen. Be strong. Hold fast your confession. Now, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Paul said this, he said, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the, the unfeigned faith that is in thee. He's talking to Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it's in thee also. Now, the word unfeigned means sincere faith, or I like to say genuine faith. There's, he said, your, your grandmother had genuine faith. Your mother had genuine faith, and I'm persuaded you got some genuine faith, son. Genuine. What's that mean? It's the real article. Anybody ever seen uh, imitation leather? What, is that? what does that tell you? It's not real leather, right? And so that means it's not going to hold up as long. It's going to fold when the pressure is put on it because it's imitation leather. Sometimes Bibles, you know, are made of bonded leather or imitation leather. But if you get one that says genuine leather, it's going to last longer because it has, it's, it's the genuine article. Well, our faith can be, listen now, 
you, you really need to get a hold of this because this is really important that we understand this because if we don't get this, then we wonder why things happening. And there's a reason why sometimes. You have to have something called genuine faith. In Isaiah, God said this. He said, Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. And he went on to talk about waiting on the Lord. But he said, Have you not known? Have you not heard? In other words, it has to become personal to you for it to do you any good. A lot of people sometimes try to live off somebody else's revelation. And it's not genuine. Amen. See, <laughs> in, in the book of Acts, there were, there were like what the Bible calls seven sons of Siva. And they tried to cast this devil out of this person. And they went to this person. They said, we abjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, that's not good enough. How many know that? Just because brother so-and-so preaches doesn't mean it's alive in your life. You have to know it. You have to meditate it. You have to feed on it till it becomes a part of you. Brother so-and-so's revelation may be right. It may be accurate. It may be true. But it won't work for you, even though it's a Bible revelation, if it's not part of you. And so that evil spirit said, well, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And he jumped on them and beat them and... Well, they lost their britches over the deal. They ran out of the house wounded and naked and so forth. Well, what, what was the problem? They didn't have any personal revelation. Amen. See, you have to understand that you just because brother so-and-so said it or sister so-and-so preached it, doesn't mean it's going to work for you if you don't get it in your heart. Face of the heart, not the head. There's a big difference between here and here. It's got to get down in here where you'll hold faster your confession no matter what. Right? See, sometimes God deals with people about different things. And then they, you know, I've seen this where, where people, maybe God said, dealt with somebody that, you know, they should fast every Monday. And so now they want the whole church to fast every Monday. Well, that's your revelation. There's nothing wrong with your revelation. But Paul said, have, do you have faith? Have it to God and yourself. I've heard people say, you know, God's dealt with me. Matter of fact, we heard a story about a woman that was like dictating to what people could eat and drink at the women's conference at her church. <laughs> Remember that story? And uh, I'd have just told her mind her own business if I'd have been there, but she didn't invite me to her women's conference. But anyway, even a guest speaker, you can't have this, you can't drink that, you're going to drink water. I'm like, you shut your face, woman. <laughs> just because God told you that doesn't mean he told me that. Now, he may have told you that. He may have. But that doesn't mean he told me. I've heard him say, I'll never eat bread again. I'm never saying that. <laughs> well, at least I haven't. I'm going to eat bread. i got to have something for my butter. There you go. Hallelujah. There you go. Now, you know, see, that revelation, and, and you may be excited about your revelation, but it's your revelation. It's not, it, don't push it off on everybody else. God's not talking to everybody else the same way he's talking to you. There's things God requires of me. I'm sure He doesn't require you. There's things He requires of you. probably doesn't require me. Amen. You know. I don't eat before I preach. I haven't done it for years. I mean, I would like full gospel businessmen because, you know, you're there for chicken dinner. And you're, you're going to be there a long time at full gospel businessmen, so you've got to eat or you'll, you'll wear out, you know. 
Some of you don't, you don't remember the full gospel businessmen days, but I, I used to preach at those meetings and, and they could go on and on and on. So yeah, I'm going to eat chicken for that because, you know, I got to make it through the night. <laughs> but typically I don't. Now, I don't push that off on other people. I don't tell, I've never told Pastor Chuck or Pastor Jerry or Brother Greg or anybody who's preaching there, and make sure you don't eat before you preach. I don't, want, I don't want you burping tacos and stuff. I want the Word of God. I don't want you weighed down with food. Because with me, food weighs me down, and it's like I don't want anything. I want to be lean and mean and ready to go. And so that's just a practice of mine for years. But I don't push that off on anybody else because that's my revelation. It's not, that it's not wrong, Right? Well, you have to understand, just because somebody got a revelation, just because you heard somebody preach something, that doesn't mean it's a revelation to you. You've got to feed on it till it becomes part of you, to where you'll hold faster your confession. I've come through a lot of this over the years. I remember in the you know, 80s and so forth where there was a revelation going around. And it wasn't a bad revelation, but it just was not the law. It just wasn't law, Bible law. And... Preachers were preaching. I preached it myself because I preached somebody else's revelation. Don't ever borrow money. Don't, don't ever borrow money. Well, the Bible never really actually says that. That scripture they use where it says, Oh, no man, in nothing but to love one another. You read the context of it. It's talking about owing the king, honor who honor is due, taxes to whom taxes is due. It wasn't talking about borrow money. But some of us taught, you know, it's a sin to borrow money. Then it dawned on us that had some sense. If it's a sin to borrow money, then it's a sin to loan money. And God said to Israel, you'll not borrow, but lend unto many. I thought, well, he wouldn't be telling them to sin. And so it's not the best way. But, but, you know, some got that revelation and they tried, or some got that revelation and it really worked for them. And then some tried to do it and they just, they crashed because it wasn't their revelation. Are y'all following me? Brother Hagin told us a story one time, uh, preachers and stuff, he told a story, he said, about a Rhema student that had a really good church. He had 1,200 people in his church. It was hopping, it was going. They leased their facilities, and they were saving money for a building, uh, you know, to, to, for their own building. They had $250,000, he said, in, in their building, you know, and uh, fun. And he said, you know, they start outgrowing the facilities they were in, so they're going to have to move. They're going to have to move. One way or the other, they're going to have to move. And so, a, a, I think it was a Baptist church, down the street said, hey, we'll sell you our building. And it was perfect for what they needed. Perfect size, perfect. And said, we will carry the note and we'll give it to you like 1% interest rate. And the pastor said, no way, I don't borrow money. Well, now, if God told him that, then he better stick with it. But if he's just preaching, if he's living off brother so-and-so's revelation, he's going to have some problems. Are y'all following me? So Brother Hagin said, well, in the process of time, because he wouldn't, he said this was a deal. This was a bird's nest on the ground. This was like a no-brainer. I mean, you got two hundred fifty thousand dollars to put in the building. They're going to finance it themselves for one percent. No-brainer. And he said, the guy said, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to borrow money. And so Brother Hagen said he had. They had to go out and get another office building, office spaces. He said they had to spend all two hundred fifty thousand dollars in their building fund to for these leased spaces and depleted their total building fund, and they had zero. Does that make sense to you? doesn't to me. If you got a revelation, it works. And Brother Hank said, now you can't even find them. The church got discouraged, folded, and they're not even there, and they had 1,200 people. That's because they tried to operate off somebody else's revelation. It doesn't mean the revelation was wrong, but it better, you better hear from God, Right? 
And anything in this book, as we close out, anything in this book, any promise in this book, it's not going to work for you just because you heard pastor preach it or you heard some preacher on TV preach it. It's going to work for you because it became a part of you. You meditated on it. It became part of you. And when that happens, well, then you know that you know that you know. It, it gets in your heart. Amen. The Bible tells us faith is the substance. Faith has substance. It's got substance. So is your faith genuine? Is it genuine? If it's, you say, well, what if it's not? Well, the thing if it's not, find the promises of God and meditate. put them before your eyes. That's what Proverbs said, let not the word depart from your eyes. Amen. Too many, too many men have depended on their wives to do all the spiritual work. And how many know, it just doesn't work that way. you got to do your own work. Amen. It's like, why do I want to pray? The wife prays. Well, you might need to develop a relationship with God yourself. And you might need, you might need to call on God sometime when the wife's not there. Uh, my wife's a spiritual one in the family. Well, you're supposed to be spiritual. And I've seen it the other way, too, where the man's a spiritual one and the woman's, she's just not. But God wants us all to get it in our own spirit and hold fast. Hold fast your confession. Hallelujah. Because no matter what happens in life, we already have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, we have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Worst thing could ever happen, like I said to a Christian, is go to heaven. And I hope you understand that's not a bad thing. But people think that way. You know, what if I died and, and I went to heaven? That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? No, that'd be a good thing. We don't want you dying before your time, okay? But we're just simply saying there's no way the devil can beat us. We're already winners. We're already winners. One last story. It's Brother Hagin's story. I like his stories. Brother Hagin was preaching for this couple, pastor and his wife, and they had a brother. I think it was a wife's brother, if I remember right. And they asked Brother Hagin, said, would you pray for him? He's been diagnosed with cancer. And... Uh, he only has six months to live. So Brother Hagin said, okay, I'll go pray for him. So he, Brother Hagin said, I went to pray for him. He said, I put my hand on his forehead. And he said, I felt a hand lift my hand off. So he said, I thought, well, I'm pressing too hard. And he moved my hand. So he said, I did a little lighter. He said, I felt this hand move my hand off. He said, so this time I watched. And I went to lay my hand on this guy. And he said, I could feel a presence grabbing my hand and pulling it off his head. And he said, Lord, what is it? And the Lord said, he hasn't lived right for over two weeks at a time. He's been serving me for 30 years, and he hasn't lived right for two weeks at a time. He said, the Lord told Brother Hagin this. He said, I healed his back when he was living in adultery. I healed him. And he hasn't served, he hadn't stayed living right for two weeks at a time. He said, he is now ready... He's got his affairs in order. There's no better time for him to die. Let him die. 
Now, Brother Hagin said after he went back to the house where the pastor and his wife was, the, the pastor's wife said, well, did the Lord say anything to you? Well, who wants to tell her that? You know, God will put these things on you, and then He makes you tell it. It's like, why don't you tell them, God? And Brother Hagin said, well, I hate to tell you, sister, but the Lord told me He's going to die, and He'll be dead. And he's, actually, the Lord told me he said He'll be dead in three days, which the doctor said he had six months. And he said, the Lord told me, he said, that he hasn't lived right over two weeks at a time, all of his 30 years of serving God, and that God healed him one time when he was living in adultery, healed his back. And she said, that's exactly right, Brother Hagin. He said, well, the Lord said he'll have, never have a better time to die than right now. And, um, you know, supposed to be living for six months. Uh, he was sitting at the table, and he said, well, it just might surprise you all. No, I'm going home to be with the Lord tomorrow. And he died the next day, three, within, three, within three days. He died. Now, I always remember what Brother Hagin said. He said, that is not God's best, but it sure beats going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Isn't that good? That's not God. That's not what. See, he determined that, not God. He determined that. But God, God in his mercy, said, I'm going to give you the best I can give you. This is the best I can do for you under the circumstances. Isn't God good? You know, even his kind of halfway is pretty good. How many know that? Even his halfway, it's pretty good. But we can walk in God's best and we can live in God's best. And we can hold fast to our confession of faith no matter what comes our way. Faith in God's Word, faith in God, because He always, I keep going back to the Scripture, but He always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always causes us, and, and He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up, everybody. Did you get something tonight? Hallelujah. Thank God for His Word. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.